title of this message is Ready for Battle. Uh, we're going to talk about the battle in just a little bit, but let me just give you a real quick review of where we have been, where we're going in this. And as I do that, if you want to turn to Joshua chapter 4 in your Bibles, uh, Joshua chapter 4, or maybe you have a, a device that you can pull that up with that you'd rather read that um, along with me, uh, please do that this morning. Joshua chapter 4. <clears throat> We've looked at several verses in chapters 1, chapter 2. I gave you a quick uh, uh, synopsis of chapter 3 last week, but uh, this is a time in the life of Israel um, and the people of that nation. Uh, just an exciting time. They had been waiting for a long time to go into this land that God had promised them. Many people, <clears throat> because of their disobedience to God, were not able to go into the promised land. Uh, and there's a lot of lessons into that. We've talked about some of that um, before. But Joshua and Caleb were two of the elders uh, that were able to go into the promised land. The rest of their generation uh, died out and were not able to go into that promised land because of that disobedience. So a new generation, uh, a generation that was younger than, than them, were getting ready to cross the Jordan. Uh, in, in chapters 1, 2, and 3, we read about that. And there was a, a verse, we, we really looked at this a couple of weeks ago, Joshua 1, 9, you saw it up there in the screen as an intro to this. Uh, that verse says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God was promising that and promised that to Joshua and ultimately to the people and even to us today because God's word is still alive and active. And um, <clears throat> that is a promise that we can as well apply to each and every one of, of us. That God will be with us wherever we go. So they got ready to cross into the uh, over the Jordan River into this promised land. And so Joshua is uh, giving uh, the people encouragement to go, uh, <clears throat> to go forward, giving some instructions to them that we read about in uh, Joshua chapter 3, uh, some of those instructions, and they start this uh, journey across uh, this, this um, river. And God says that the ark must go in front of the people. Uh, that the ark must uh, lead out um, in front, representing God's pre presence, uh, representing the word of God that goes out as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. <clears throat> and so, as soon as that, the uh, priests that were carrying this ark, their feet touched that water, God did the miraculous again, and upstream, um, the water was, uh, God just did this miracle, and the water stopped during flood season. Uh, this muddy water that was um, uh, this Jordan River, and the water was stopped as soon as they started crossing the sea, and they crossed on dry ground. And we read about that last week, chapter 3. Um, and at the end of that chapter, verse 17, it says, The priest who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground 
in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. It's exactly what happened. So we're going to look at uh, Joshua chapter 4 now and reading this entire chapter uh, together. And it says here in verse 1, When the whole nation had finished, when they had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among you, from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood, and to carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight." So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God, into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when it, when it crossed the Jordan, when the Ark crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up the twelve stones they had been, that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spots where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. Now the priest who carried the Ark remaining, remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over, and as soon as all of them had crossed the ark of the Lord, and the priests came to the other side while the people watched. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over, armed in front of the Israelites, as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. That day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they revered him all the days of his life, just as they had revered Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests carrying the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest, Come up out of the Jordan. And the priests came up out of the Jordan, carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord, No sooner had they set their feet on dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, What do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he did or when he dried it up before us until he had crossed over. 
He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. And so that yet you might always fear the Lord, your God. The hand of the Lord is powerful. Amen. Chapter 4 starts out. We just read it together. Saying that the whole nation of Israel crossed over the Jordan River. Now keep this in mind. This is, this is such a great, uh, Joshua is such a great book to look at. Uh, it gives us so many visual pictures. I mean, you can just imagine in your mind this happening, this nation going across. Keep in mind that some commentaries say that there was over 2 million people still in the nation of Israel uh, that crossed over the Jordan River. 2 million people. Can you imagine that? That had to take some time for all of them to get across that river. But God did the miraculous. He did a miracle that day. And the sea, or that, uh, that river was dried up. The ground was dry. And the, those, uh, the people went across on dry ground. And then it says uh, that the Lord said to Joshua, command these 12, uh, to command 12 men, Pick out 12 men, from uh, one from each tribe of Israel. Have them go uh, back out into the, the middle of the Jordan River, into that dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, uh, right in front of the priest uh, where they stood, and uh, grab a stone. Now, it had to be a pretty big stone or a rock, um, whatever that is, and, and have them carry it on their shoulder uh, back to uh, where you, you are camping and where you're going to be uh, uh, camping and settling for the night. Uh, and so that's exactly what they did. Again, the process of God's miracle and miraculous and miracles that he was doing during that time. Fulfilling his promises. Promises that he gave to Joshua. Promises that he gives to the people and to us. That I will be with you, God said, wherever you go. Have you ever read something before and you just kind of read through it and you skim by some passages and some, uh, maybe you're reading through the Bible and you skim by some verses or you, you read a book and you want to get to the end so you kind of just uh, glance over some uh, certain things. Well, that happens to me sometimes. I'll be reading through a passage of scripture or I'll, re- I'll be reading a book and I, my mind starts to wander or, uh, and I don't pay attention perhaps, to some very important words that I should be reading. I just want to share with you um, real quick before we get into the scripture a little bit more, uh, some bulletin, bulletin bloopers. Now, I, I imagine many of you have uh, either read some of these or seen some of these, and I mean, you can Google you know, that. There's hundreds of these now that uh, sometimes I wonder, are they just making these things up now <laughs> just to be funny? But I thought I'd share some of these because you can see these words, you can see what, uh, you can even read these things, and you miss some of these misprints in it, and it makes a big deal of what really is uh, written. They're going to be up on the screen for you as well, uh, so you can see this. Here's the first one. For those of you who have children and don't know it, we have a nursery downstairs. All right? Hopefully you know if you have children. All right, here's the second one. Applications are now being accepted for two-year-old nursery workers. Okay, two-year-old 
Okay. Here's another one. The pastor will preach his farewell message, after which the choir will sing, Break Forth Into Joy. Don't do that while I'm here, right? Okay. All right. Uh, the next one. Thursday night, potluck supper, prayer and medication to follow. Uh, should be meditation. Right? Yeah, we all know. Here's the next one. Reverend Merriweather spoke briefly, much to the delight of the audience. <laughs> Here's another one. Bertha Belch, a missionary from Africa, will be speaking tonight at Calvary Methodist. Come here, Bertha Belch, all the way from Africa. It's one of those I like, eh, they make that one up, I don't know. Uh, here's another one. Next Sunday, Mrs. Vison will be the soloist for the, morning, for the morning service. The pastor will then speak on, it's a terrible experience. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, another one. Irving Benson and Jesse Carter were married on October 24th in the church. So ends a friendship that began in their school days. <laughs> Goodness, I don't know if I should stop. Uh, two, two more I'll give you. The choir invites all members of the congregation who enjoy sinning to join the choir. <laughs> should I, yeah, that should be singing. <laughs> And the last one, the sermon this morning, Jesus walks on the water. The sermon tonight, searching for Jesus. <laughs> Where did he go? <laughs> uh, yeah, those are great. Um, like I said, if you want to laugh some more, Google those. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's kind of what I did. It, was, it wasn't a, the blue, bulletin bloopers, but I did this quite a few times in chapter 4 of Joshua, uh, rereading this passage and, and over years of reading this passage, and I never stopped to think of the significance of two verses in this passage. Now, in a little bit later in the message, we're going to look at the significance of the stones. Um, I don't want to miss that, and, and God gave me some thoughts um, about the stones and the symbols of the stones um, as we're going to transition into communion this morning. I, I, I just love how the Lord did that um, in his thoughts this morning. But first of all, we're going to focus on verses 12 and 13. Because when I was looking at this passage of scripture, these verses, it was like, I, I just knew that I had to I had to preach some things on these verses because God was giving me some thoughts about these verses that were just there that we could just we could just read right by them. But they're very important, uh, not only to the history of what was going on here, but God, God was um, giving me some thoughts about how these verses, about being armed for battle, they really apply to our life this morning and through our days on this earth as we're in a battle in this life. I want to just have us read these verses again, just a little bit slower this time, um, and really pay attention to the words. It says, the men of Jericho, oh, I'm, not, I'm sorry, here we go, I'm trying to get through it fast. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh 
crossed over armed in front of the Israelites as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. As I thought about this, I thought, what in the world? <laughs> I mean, God is doing all these miracles around them. They're, uh, they're seeing that God dried up the, the ground and the, the river so they could, you know, the, the million, two million people that walked across them. God is doing these miracles. So what is the significance? What is the reasoning? Why, were the, why was it that Joshua, uh, who's credited at, at writing the book of Joshua, why was this important? For these two verses, this to be in this passage, that 40,000 were, were going and marching ahead of these Israelites as the Lord had directed. Well, if you back up with me to Joshua chapter 1, first of all. Joshua chapter 1. Now these are verses that I actually did not even read to us when, we, when I gave a, a message, or maybe it was two messages, I can't remember now, from Verses 1 through 9 in Joshua 1. But if you keep going there, and if you look at verse 10 in Joshua chapter 1, it says this. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land. The Lord your God has given you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said... Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God has given you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But you all your fighting men, fully armed, must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers. You are to help your brothers. <laughs> One of the days I was studying this message, I underlined that part. I, that is a part I just missed there. We are to help our brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? Amen. Staying armed with the armor of God on is a way that we help not only ourselves defeat the devil's schemes, we help our brothers and sisters. Powerful. Verse 15, Until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you. And until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God has given them. After that you may go back and occupy your own land. Which Moses the servant of the Lord gave you east of the Jordan to this, uh, toward the sunrise. So we're going to stop there right now. But if we go then to uh, Numbers chapter 23. Uh, go back to as two books in the Bible before Joshua. Numbers chapter 32. I'm sorry, if I said 23, I meant 32. Numbers 32. Here is where we read the first part, or the first time that we read about these, uh, these three tribes and why they were marching ahead of Israel. Uh, I'm not going to read this word for word out of here, but it, it, in verse 12, uh, Again, it tells us there that Caleb and Joshua were the only two uh, spies that, out of the twelve that were going to be allowed to go into this promised land because they followed the Lord wholeheartedly. 
If we jump down to verse 14, just to give you a real short background in this, Moses is talking to uh, these three tribes that we read about in Joshua. He's talking to these three tribes, and they want to stay, they want to live on the east side of the, the Jordan River. Uh, they, they like that land, they want to settle there, they want to, they want to have their cattle, all that there. And so uh, they don't want to possess land, that chosen land. So in verse 14, it says this, and this, these are words to these tribes. And here you are, a brood of sinners, standing in the place of your fathers and making the Lord even more angry with Israel. If you turn away from following him, he will again leave all this people in the desert and you will be the cause of their destruction. God there was saying to these tribes, saying, you know what, if you keep spreading this out among the people, saying you want to stay here, you're going to start spreading all this and, and people are going to get discouraged again. This new younger generation are going to get discouraged. But the plan is, what I want you to do is cross that river into that promised land. And so they say in verse 16 that it came up to him and, and he said, or they, they came up to Moses and said, We would like to build pens though, here for our livestock and the cities for our women and children. But we are ready to arm ourselves and go ahead of the Israelites until we have brought them to their place. Meanwhile, our women and children will live in fortified cities for protection from the inhabitants of the land. We will not return to our homes until every Israelite has received his inheritance. We will not receive any inheritance with them on the other side of the Jordan because our inheritance has come to us on the east side of the Jordan. Then Moses said to them, If you will do this, if you will arm yourselves before the Lord for battle, and if all of you will go armed before the Jordan, before the Lord, until he has driven his enemies out before him. Then when the land is subdued before the Lord, you may return and be free from your obligation to the Lord and to Israel and to this land, or in this land will be your possession before the Lord. And verse 23, but if you fail to do this, you will be sinning against the Lord. And you may be sure that your sin will find you out. How many of you parents have quoted that verse? And you didn't even know it was a verse. Be sure your sins will find you out. (laughs) That's where it comes from. You may be sure that your sin will find you out. Verse 25 says, The Gadites and Reubenites said to Moses, We, your servants, will do as the Lord commands. Our children, wives, our flocks and herds will remain here. In the cities of Gilead, but your servants, every man armed for battle, will cross over to fight before the Lord, just as our Lord says. And so they kept promising that they would do as they said they would do. So when we go back to Joshua 4 now, and we think about these two verses in uh, verses 12 and 13 that we could just quickly skim by that I have done for many years not even thinking about how significant they are in this passage. This this is where it comes together for them. They are armed for battle. 40,000 of them 
and they cross over before the Lord in front of this nation of Israel. So why is this so important? <laughs> I mean, for some, it just I'm sure you're thinking, this is just history, isn't it? Is this history being fulfilled? It's just uh, some words and getting put together. But no, it's, it's so much more than history. So much more. When we, when we think about Joshua 4 and these two verses, the men of Reuben now, as they actually do what they said that they were doing, they, they actually went across in battle armor. They did what they knew they should do. And they did what they said that they would do. They did what they knew they should do, but they also did what they said they would do. They were fulfilling their commitment, doing what they said they would do. Now, I, I don't know who originally said this, this, this sentence, but you've probably heard this one as well before. Say what you mean, may what, mean what you say, and do what you say you'll do. They might have been thinking about uh, this passage, I don't know. But that's what honesty is about, isn't it? That is what integrity is about. That is what keeping our commitment, fulfilling our commitments in life is all about. That's what living a life of truth is about. Not living a lie. That's the life that, the life value, one of the life values that Jesus displayed when he was on this earth. In fact, Jesus said in John 14, 6, we read this. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. Our enemy, however, is the opposite. He is a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And John 10.10 tells us that. He is a liar. In fact, in John 8.44, John tells us that he is the father of lies. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him when he lies. He speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus is all about truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life, the complete opposite. Our enemy is trying to get us to, to lie, to live a life of lying, because he is the father of lies. I want you to turn your Bibles now to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to look at this. Ephesians chapter 6, and, and this is just going to be just a start on how Joshua in the battles actually parallel to, in a lot of ways, to us as believers. We who are, are followers of Jesus and how the Apostle Paul said to put on the armor of God because we're in a daily battle, how that all parallels together and why it's important for us to remember a life of honesty, a life of truth, doing what we say we're going to do, living the life that Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, wants us to live and learning from these men Joshua chap- in Joshua chapter 4. So if we look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse, uh, starting in verse 10, 
the Apostle Paul writes this, Finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And we're going to stop there for today. And I know there's a whole list of, uh, of armor that we are to, uh, to put on in our spiritual lives each and every day uh, to go against the devil's schemes. And we're going to look at, in just a, a couple of minutes here, as, I, as we start transitioning into the closing time of our service, but I want us to look at the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Why is it important for us? Why did Paul... As some commentators have stated, perhaps Paul was, as he's in prison, writing these words, he could have been looking at a Roman soldier, this Roman guard in its armor, and as he's doing that, he's thinking about some these biblical principles about the, the armor of God, and he, and he looks at that the belt of truth, or in his mind, he's thinking about the belt of truth. I was reading one commentator about this um, this week, and they said that the belt of truth, uh, actually the belt and, a, and the armor of, this, of the soldiers would hold the whole armor together, would hold it together in place on the, uh, on the soldier. And so this commentator went on to say, if you think about that, uh, about the belt holding the armor, as we're putting on the belt of truth, he actually, or she, the, the commentator said, uh, they believe that uh, Paul was saying there that the belt of truth was actually Jesus. Referring to Jesus, putting it, putting it on more of Jesus in our life because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, perhaps that, that could be what um, the Apostle Paul is talking about there. It's a little bit different than what I have thought of over the years, but it gives you a, a kind of a, a different way of thinking about that when you think about the belt of truth holding everything together. Jesus holds it all together. Uh, he is our truth. He is the one that we should follow when it comes to uh, the truth in life. What happens when we start telling lies? One lie leads to another lie, doesn't it? That leads to another lie and another lie. And pretty soon we can't stop lying. We all of a sudden live a life of one big lie. Maybe sometimes we tell, and tell ourselves, well, I just can't help it. I just can't help it. It just, it just comes out of my mouth. Um, I, just, I just do uh, certain things. It, it's only a, a white lie. It's not, it's not a real big lie. It's okay, isn't it? But then you take time and you read more of John chapter 14 and John chapter 15 and 16 and pay attention to how many times John writes about the spirit of truth. 
the Holy Spirit. We can use all those excuses. And we, we can have excuse after excuse about lying and how we just can't help it. But when we read that we are to put on the armor of God daily, we put that belt of truth on. We're praying, God, help me. We should be praying, God, help me to be an honest person. Help me to be a person of, in, of integrity. Someone who tells the truth because you are in me. Your truth is transforming me. James chapter 4, verse 17. James said, Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Pretty point blank there. In the New Living Translation, it's, it reads, Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. That's why when we go back then and look at Numbers 32, we read in Joshua chapter 4 about these, uh, this men, these men that put on the armor they knew that if they didn't do what they said they were going to do, didn't do what they ought to do, then they would be sinning because they said they were going to do it. So when they marched out in front of the Israelites, they were not only ready for battle, they were not only armed for battle, but they were in a sense saying, we stand for truth. We stand for honesty. We stand for integrity. And we're going to do what God has called us to do. What God wants us to do. We are going to do what is right. What we said and what we promised to do. If we're going to fulfill the vision that God has for Pathway here, that, uh, some of that vision that I uh, went through some of that with you last week. If we're going to fulfill that vision, if you're going to fulfill the purposes that God has for you, for us as a church, then we must be led by the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. We must be committed to following the truth no matter what. We must be willing to stand up, stand firm for what we believe in. Stand up for the truth according to God's Word, even if it means that people will not understand what we're doing. Even if people think they're, they're crazy. Even if we someday may face persecution for what we believe in. God has asked us to be honest. Put on the belt of truth. Be a person that is true to their word. One of the ways, I guess another way, that the enemy tries to get us to fail and fall is through trying to make us believe that this is not really true. Or maybe he tries to twist, or he does twist the truth around. He tries to, to make us believe that oh, maybe only half of this is true. Maybe only portions. Or, may, or no, God... It goes all the way back to the beginning, doesn't it? But God didn't say it that way, did he? Here's the truth. This is the truth that we need to be following as we follow Jesus, our truth. His words are what is true.
thinking about communion. You're thinking, how are you going to transition this into communion, Todd? (laughs) When I was thinking about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus being all about truth, honesty, integrity, doing what he said he would do. It's exactly it's exactly what Jesus did, wasn't it? There was a few times when Jesus was gathered with his his uh, crowd of believers, sometimes with just um, a handful of his disciples, or, and he he said to them, "You know, so, someday soon, the Son of Man is going to be crucified." And three days later, he will come back. And they're thinking, what is he talking about? We don't understand that, but we know the rest of the story, don't we? We know what happened. Jesus kept his word. Jesus went to the cross. Jesus died on that cross. Before he went on that cross, Jesus went through tremendous torture and pain And suffering for us on that cross. But because he was a man of truth. His his body was put on that cross. He was crucified for our sin. The Lamb of God. The Lamb of God took on all sin. Your sin, my sin, the sin of the world. On him in those moments. As he gave his life for you and me. Thankfully, Jesus did not stay dead. Yes, he went to the grave. Yes, he was buried in that tomb. But he came back to life. He came back to life to claim victory once and for all over sin and victory over our enemy so that we could experience victory. In our life as well. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So as we get ready to take the elements together, as we take communion together this morning, I want us to examine our own life. Each of us examine our own hearts today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul gives some great words to help us to do that today. And if... uh, Part of our, I think part of our worship team is going to come up and play some music in the background if you want to go ahead and do that at this time as I start reading. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. We're going to do that together in just a moment. He took bread when he had given thanks. He broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He goes on and then he says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man, lady, person, man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread 
and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. Do you know the way, the truth, and the life today? Do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Thankfully, Jesus died for you and for me so that we could take care of so he could take care of that for us and cleanse our hearts from all sin. I just invite you to bow your heads with me as we pray together and then we will and I'll invite you up in just a moment to to take one of the take the elements. I just want you to pause for a moment, think about your life. Is your life about being honest? Is your life about living a life of integrity even when no one's looking? Even if you know you're not going to get caught? Is your life a life of truth? Lord God, as we pause again, come humbly before you. Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die for us, to be raised again, to claim victory. Lord, there is, your word says there's nothing we can do on our own to earn our salvation, to make you love us and he more than what you do right now. God, maybe, maybe we've had some time here just lately where we just, we've messed up. We've had moments of sin in our life. Lord, this is the time that we want to examine that, examine our hearts. And if that is you this morning, just pray to the Lord. Ask for his forgiveness. 1 John 1.9 says, If you confess with your mouth, if you confess your sin, that He, Jesus, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Ask Him to do that this morning. He promised that He would. Cleanse your heart. Cleanse your life from your sin. Maybe you just thinking about your life and thinking, oh, I keep messing up. I keep, I keep lying. I keep doing things I shouldn't. Take some time. Pray with the Lord right now. The Lord loves you. The Lord cares about you. The Lord, the Lord knows all about that. Ask Him for help. Ask Him to help you put on that belt of truth each and every day to be honest Lord God, as we go into a time of taking communion together this morning, thank you for being our sacrifice. Lord, thank you for being our Savior, the the Lamb of God. And so as we do this together as a congregation, 
Lord, we do this humbly. We do it with hearts of praise and thankfulness because of you. We pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Just invite you in the quietness of the music uh, playing. If you'd like to come up and uh, receive the elements today and then just take it back to your seats with you. Um, Just invite you to be there.